0: Tuesday everyone and thank you for coming back and joining me tonight here on Next on the T. I'm your host Chris Mascaro I sure hope this week has gotten off to a great start for you and for whatever reason if it hasn't you know what sit back relax let us take your mind off everything going on in your life for the next hour or so. I want to get you thought what do you think of the new intro music let me know by going on to our Facebook page Next on the T with Chris Mascaro or over on Twitter you can find me at C.T. Mascaro. I've sort of been searching for the right intro music for a while. I've wanted something sort of in the same genre as the Masters intro music because you know how much that tournament means to me. I didn't want to copy it, but I've been going for something that's sort of reminiscent of it. So let me know. How do we do it? Give me your thoughts. Again, next on the T with Chris Mascaro over on Facebook or at C.T. Mascaro over on Twitter. Folks, tonight I've got wonderful guests that I'm very excited to share with you. And first up, I'm going to get a return visit from Tim Cusick, who's become a wonderful friend and partner of the show. You can find a link to his site over on our site, next on net, or you can go directly to Tim's site by going online to timcusickgolf.com. And Cusick is spelled C-U-S-I-C-K, so timcusickgolf.com. Tim has been named Teacher of the Year in Texas every year since 2011. We'll talk about, you know, get some pointers from Tim about, you know, how to decide, first of all, on the tee box, where should we be lining up? If we're looking down, you know, into the fairway from the tee box, we got maybe trouble on the left or trouble on the right, or we've got a cross breeze, where should we be lining up Uh, on the tee box? We'll talk about that. Plus, how to hit better fairway bunker shots. You know how that sort of intimidates so many of us when we get into that fairway bunker. How can we not only get out? but hit a good shot, give ourselves the opportunity to still make par. We'll also talk about, you know, hybrids or fairway medals. When, you know, we're right around the green, right? And we're in the second cut of the rough, right there off the fringe of the green. You know, we see people taking the hybrids and the fairway medals and hitting some good shots. How do we do that without rocketing the ball across the green? We'll talk to Tim and get uh, tips on all of those things. He'll join me here in just a few minutes. Then we'll round out tonight's show with a return visit from Golf Pride Marketing Manager Charlie Fisher. Looking forward to talking to Charlie about their new Tour Velvet Align grips. It's a grip that I've been excited about since I talked with Charlie earlier this year right around the PGA Merchandise Show. So I'm going to be getting those grips on all of my clubs here very soon. So we'll talk about that. We'll also look ahead to some of the other things they've got come out coming out. And we'll be revisiting a discussion that we had earlier this year about the importance of, uh, you know, regripping our clubs and finding and getting fit for the right grips, right? We we talk about making sure that we get fit for shafts and lie angle and things of like that, but we forget about the grip. It's the only attachment our hands have to the golf clubs. So it's how vitally important to make sure you've got not only the right grip from feel perspective, but, you know, thickness and those sorts of things. So we'll talk about all of that when Charlie joins me about 40 minutes from now. So a lot more great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me over the next hour. Before we get started, I want to remind you about our good friend Matthew Lawrence and his show Backspin Golf, which airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. It's my regular Sunday, 8.03 a.m. Tea Time. It's broadcast on ESPN Radio AM 1300 WLXG up in Lexington, Kentucky. But you can stream it anywhere, right? Online, go to WLXG.com or download the WLXG app. It's a fantastic way to start your Sunday mornings. His four-minute older brother, Mitchell, also has a great golf show that marries golf and travel. It's called Talking Golf Getaways, which you can find online at golfnewsnet.com or over on Audioboom. He and his co-host, Darren Bunch, they travel all over the world, and they let you know great places to play, stay, and eat while you're there. Again, it's called Talking Golf Getaways, available on golfnewsnet.com and over on Audioboom. And, folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our friend Steve Rondinero about the great things they've got going on up there.
1: Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort, the only place in the country where you can play courses by two Hall of Fame designers on the same property. Our Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses offer two very different challenges. Experience them both and save with our Hall of Fame package. Our two historic hotels are unique as well. Cap it off with a fun visit to the French Lick Casino. Check us out online at FrenchLick.com. Bring a group and save even more. Play legendary golf this season at French Lick Resort.
0: Yeah, folks, be sure to go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place it is and to book your stay as well. And, folks, you've heard me talking about the Clubhub sensors over the last several months. It's the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. Club Hub tells you what happened and why. Take the progress that you make on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. I have Club Hub sensors on all of my clubs. They screw right into the tops of your grips. And I can tell you, since I put the Club Hub sensors on my clubs, I've learned more about my swing and all of the data surrounding it than I've learned over the 40 years I've been playing the game. Because not only do you get GPS distances to the hazards and to the green, but after your round, you can look back at the images and layout of every hole in the course that you just played and see exactly where and how far you hit every shot. No other GPS tool on the market captures that and lets you go back and review your round the way the Clubhub app does. It's available for Androids or iPhones, and the app keeps track of your swing speed of every club in your bag, your tempo, your angle of attack, plus you get a 3D view of your swing as well. And no other rangefinder can do all of that for you. Go over to clubhubgolf.com and order your set of Clubhub sensors today and enter the coupon code NEXT. To get 10% off on all products at checkout. out. Again clubhubgolf.com, enter the coupon code NEXT and you're going to get the best GPS and swing analysis tool on the market for a great low price and you're going to see your game in a whole new way. Plus also check out the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. Their spring collection is out. The shift in seasons is an opportunity to change things up layer upon layer. They've added some great details, fresh colors, new additions with genuine, enduring character. They make style easy. Find uh, carefully coordinated outfits in a variety of colors and options by going online to bobbyjones.com. And we're also proud to be partnering with Russ Holden and the folks over at Caddy for a Cure. One of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is available to you through Caddy for a Cure. Spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service members and Fanconi Anemia. You're going to get to walk side by side with your tour player, experiencing professional golf as an insider. In addition to the amazing experience you're going to have, you're going to get a fantastic gift package from Caddy for a Cure, which includes Under Armour logoed apparel and an eyewear package, a tour grade caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a tin cup ball marking gift, chef's cut real jerky, and professional photographs from your day. Check them out online at caddyforacure.com. That's C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E, caddyforacure.com, to learn more. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is one of the most decorated instructors in the state of Texas, and that's Tim Cusick. Let me give you some background on Tim He's been a member of the PGA of America since 1989. He's been named the best teacher in the state of Texas by Golf Digest every year since 2011. He's also been named a top teacher in the South Central Region by Golf Magazine, best public facilities teacher by Avid Golf Magazine, top 10 in Dallas by Lessons.com, and he's a three-time winner of the Northern Texas PGA Teacher of the Year Award. He's also won the Northern Texas PGA's Horton Smith Award, which is given annually for outstanding and continuing contributions to professional golf education. Tim has coached and helped more than 150 junior players secure a college scholarship. He's also coached players like Bruce Crampton, Brad Elder, Hollis Stacey, and Sandra Palmer, He's formerly managed and t- uh, taught at the Hank Haney Golf School, and he worked with Hank Haney for 23 years. He's currently the Director of Instructions at the Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts and author of the book, The Four Keys to Improve Your Game, which you can find out on Amazon.com. And I am honored that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee*. Hey, Tim, thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Chris, thanks for having me back. Appreciate being here.
0: So... Tim, it, it looks like from the weather down there in Irving, Texas, You know, for the most part, you know, it's, it looks warm there for a lot of us in the northern and the eastern portions of the country. We're just now starting to get warm enough weather where we can go get our clubs out and start playing again. So, Tim, I, I want to get your thoughts. What should we do? to get ourselves ready to start the new golf season and make sure, you know, A, we're ready, B, that we don't go out there and just jump on the first tee and swing and end up hurting ourselves or creating new bad habits. What's your recommendation? What's the best way to get ready for a new golf season?
1: Well, you're asking the right guy because I grew up in Rochester, New York, and so I I feel your pain. I know what you've just been through, and uh, I I can remember – you know, every chance I had to, uh, to jump out there and, and push a little snow out of the way and fire a few balls and some, some weeds that were behind our backyard. And that could be in, uh, in February, it could be in March. But to, to answer your question, you know, as you get back into golf after a long layoff, golf is, is, is a, a different sport because most of it is rotational motion. And I was talking to a student today about this who's a very fit student but is doing a lot of things uh, linear. So they're they're doing all their work, you know, in front of them. They aren't doing anything rotationally. And so I would just encourage any golfers that have laid off for a while, take a club, put it over the back of your shoulders, put your hands on it, and just practice the motion of turning back and turning through. Get your hips used to turning rotationally again. Get your sides used to that. Get your feet used to rotating through. Do it both, you know, backwards and forwards. Do it right-handed. Do it left-handed just to wake your your, your muscles back up to to what it's going to be like to make a golf swing.
0: And, Tim, you know, to that, you know, let's take that to the next step, right? Do you have a stretching routine? So, you know, hey, you got an 8 o'clock tee time. First of all, what time are you arriving at the golf course? And take us through the progression. Do you have a stretching routine? And then how do you warm up on the range?
1: Well, here's the thing. If you're a tour player, you're getting to the golf course for an 8 o'clock tee time about uh, 6.15. all those guys now have you know fitness trainers that are traveling with him to loosen them up they're getting on the bike before they even get to the driving range i can remember a couple of years ago at the at the at and t byron nelson at our place we've got a, a nice workout center and ryan palmer's in there he's got his he's got his golf clothes on and he's working up a lather on the bike just warming his body up so that he can get ready to go out and start warming up for an hour before he goes and plays so what I would say is, depending on the time that you, that you have, if, if you're cut short and you're getting to the golf course and you only have about 20 minutes, I would get over to the putting green and I would chip a few, I would putt a few, or just getting a feel for the speed, and then I'd make practice swings by the first tee. I wouldn't even worry about going to the driving range. I'd get a feel for the, the greens and I, I'd just make some practice swings to get loosened up. If you have more time, if you have more than 20 minutes, Get over to the range. Hit a few with your wedges first to get loose. Hit a couple with a seven or an eight iron. Try a couple with whatever you're going to hit off the tee, especially off the first hole, and then go putt and chip a few. But in terms of, of warming your body up, you know, as I said, anything rotationally, practice turning back and through with a club across the back of your head. Stretch your hamstrings out a little bit. Kneel down with one knee and just kind of stretch your your hip flexors, and your your groin, and get that loosened up. Roll your wrists around both ways to loosen up your wrist. Any of those things are going to be great to get you ready to play golf.
0: Tim, you've got a lot of great videos on your website. Again, it's timcusickgolf.com, and they're also out on YouTube. And I want to go through a few of them. And, And first, let's talk about deciding which side of the tee box to tee off from. On your video, you mentioned standing on the side where the trouble is. Talk about why.
1: So a lot of times, Chris, when I go and watch even good golfers, even professional golfers playing for a living, sometimes they miss the tee shot before they ever, they ever make the swing because they are positioned on the tee, not utilizing where the wind's coming from or where the trouble is to be able to give themselves the biggest area to hit their tee shot into the fairway. You know, you've got you've got ball in hand, just like you have in pool, in billiards, when someone scratches, you have ball in hand 18 times. So that means you can tee off anywhere you want, inside the tee markers, within two club lengths from the front of the tee markers back, and you can position yourself wherever you would like. And so what I like to see my students do is, number one, tee off on the side of trouble. So what that means is if there's trouble down the right side of the fairway i'm going to ask my students to get on the right side and then aim back a little bit towards the the left i want them to hit away from trouble and then if there's wind if there's wind you want to tee off on the opposite side of wind so for instance if the wind's coming from the right i want to stand on the left side of the tee box i want to aim back towards the right side or into the wind towards the wind and that gives me more fairway to shoot at. So if, if I had a scenario where the wind is coming from the right and I stand up on the right and I'm aiming back into the center of the fairway, I've basically just cut my, my target in half. I'm not going to get back to that fairway on the right side because the wind's going to push the ball. So now I've just made my fairway half the width. So maybe I went from 40 yards to 20 yards. And that makes it awful difficult to hit the fairways.
0: Tim, an, an area that many of us, you know, fear, A, and B, have trouble with is fairway bunkers, right? If We find ourselves in a fairway bunker. What are some keys to not only getting out of the fairway bunker? Yeah, we want to be out, right? But is there, are there some things that we can do to not only get out but help ourselves save par, right? Let's get on the green or at least around the green so that we still have an opportunity to make par.
1: So fairway bunkers are uh, probably the most difficult full swing shot for the amateur golfer, and but for a tour pro, it, it, it's no big deal, especially if they have a nice lie in the fairway in the fairway bunker. And the reason why that is is because the bottom of the downswing is absolutely critical in the fairway bunker you have no margin for error you either have to make contact with the golf ball first or you're only going to hit the golf ball a portion of the distance tour pros have no trouble making contact with the ball first getting the bottom of the downswing in the right place amateur golfers tend to be all over the board there they might hit the ball one time they might hit an inch behind it they might hit two inches behind it they might not be able to get down to the golf ball so Fairway bunkers, from that standpoint, pose a big problem. Here's a couple of things you can do to help, you know, minimize your stress level in a, in a fairway bunker. Number one is I always ask my students to choke down a little bit. I want to shorten the length of the club to make it easier to take the sand out of play. I've got to make contact with a golf ball force first, so I'm going to have them choke down just a little bit, maybe an inch or so. The second thing is is I want them – they can dig their feet in slightly, just slightly to, to, to get some footing. But I want them to put the ball back in their stance a little bit. Push it a rotation or two back from the center of your stance to help enable hitting the golf ball first. You're going to catch it on the downward blow just a little bit. You've choked on a little bit to make it easier to get the ball first. And then the last thing I'm going to ask them to do is I'm going to ask them to make maybe just a little bit smaller length backswing, maybe a, a one-third about a 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock length back, backswing, and then I'm going to ask them to turn through, make sure they turn through with their lower body, release their hips, release their right foot, and that's going to help move the bottom of the downswing first. So all of those keys are designed to try and make contact with the golf ball first, not the sand.
0: So to that end, Tim, if we're going to take a little bit shorter of a swing – Talk about club selection. You know, what, what, am I going a club more than I would typically? You know, I'm choking down. I'm taking a little bit less of a swing. Am I, is that one club selection more? Is it two? How do I know which club to hit?
1: You can You can take one club more until you start becoming consistent with your contact. If you make contact with the golf ball first consistently and you've got it back in your stance just a little bit, you might just make up for the amount that you made your swing just a little bit shorter. So it's something you have to experiment with a little bit. People that take more club are usually getting in there and anticipating hitting a fat shot. And they're just trying to fat it closer to the to the front edge of the green. I would say that, that you've got to experiment a little bit with that. My experience is when you make solid contact, you're turning through and the ball's back slightly even though you've choked down and made a slightly smaller swing you're probably going to hit it close to what your normal distance is but a different trajectory probably will be just a little bit lower it won't be a high launching shot
0: all right so now let's let's go a little bit further closer to the hole but not greenside. Let's talk about bunkers that are maybe a little bit further away from the green. So we're not right up next to it. It's not a nice greenside bunker where maybe we're taking our, our sandwich or our lob wedge and, and uh, hitting it out, but we're a little bit further back. Talk about that
1: long bunker shot. Well, you're giving me all the tough ones tonight, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so if, when you have a, when you have a longer greenside bunker shot, my motto is always I want my student or my player or myself, I want to explode, hit an explosion shot as far away from the green as I possibly can. So what that means is as long as I can make contact with the sand first, I have more margin for error than when I have to make contact with a golf ball first. So if I can, if I can increase that distance away from the green or I can make contact with the sand first, I've got a better chance of that turning out. And so that typically can get to be, you know, 25, 30, 35 yards away from the the, the target. And what I would do is, you know, provided you have a decent lie and provided you don't have a massive lip in front of you, I would just start using some different clubs. So obviously everyone's got their go-to sand iron. Might be 56, might be 58, might be 60 degrees aloft around the green. As you start moving further from the green, I would ask my students to test with their, their 54, their gap wedge, their pitching wedge. Add just a little bit of loft, set up the same way you would for a normal bunker shot. Maybe lower your hands in the shaft slightly, but try and play it just like an explosion shot. It's going to come out a little lower. It's going to run a little bit more, but it allows you to ex- expand that distance away from the green where you can explode it. And not have to worry about making contact with the ball first.
0: And you talk about you know making whatever club selection you're, you're going to go with here. So you talk about around the around the greens, right? 56, 58, 60. You know, talk about the importance of of those three clubs by also checking the bounce. Right? Is it is it always okay to use any one of those, or do we need to make sure that we've got one of those clubs that's got more bounce than the other? You know, again, for most of us, getting into any sort of bunker is a scary proposition.
1: How sure. do we choose sure. the
0: right club with the right bounce to get ourselves out?
1: So here's the here's the thing with that, Chris, is that when you're hitting a pitch shot or when you're hitting a bunker shot, an explosion bunker shot, the general rule of thumb is, the shallower that somebody comes in let's say you're a picker or you have very shallow divots you would probably be someone that would operate with a little bit less bounce probably in your in your sand and pitch iron which is your 56 58 60 you're going to be somewhere between 8 and you know 10 degrees of bounce you don't need to go less than that unless you're playing over in Europe and the ground is hard as rock and you need a very low bounce club. You'll see tour players switch to, to, low bounce clubs when they go over in the, in the, in the bunkers are packed down and the ground is very firm. If you're someone that's a little bit steeper, comes in, they dig a little bit more, they get into the ground, that's someone that needs a little bit more bounce, 12 to 14 degrees on their wedges that they're playing their pitch shots and their bunker shots around the green. Now, the, 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 gap between those clubs the manufacturers are, are, are pushing the limits in terms of the loss that are on the set of irons these days when you and i grew up at least when i grew up i know my pitching wedge was 52 degrees aloft and now my pitching wedge is down to it being about 44 degrees aloft so that's one way that they've allowed the, the general golfing public to hit the golf ball farther is they're just taking loft off the clubs. But what that has done is that's created a gap between the pitching wedge and when the sand wedge has started. So you want to make sure that you've got somewhere in the in the, in the the range of about four degrees of loft difference between your pitching wedge, your gap wedge, between your gap wedge, your sand wedge. You can stretch it to five, but I would try not to stretch it any more than that because you're going to have a, a, a too big a gap in a very, very uh, high opportunity um, high thought of success shot area that, that you want to hit your shots. That's, you know, shots inside 120 yards. You've got a high expectation of hitting a good shot. And when you have a big gap between those clubs, it makes it more difficult.
0: Now, it's, it's interesting because I just learned something here because I'm a picker, right? I don't, I don't take much of a divot if I do at all. And I thought as a picker, I needed more bounce and as if I were someone who dug the club, and I hit the ball first and compressed the ball first, then I need less bounce. But from what I just heard you say, it's actually the opposite of that, right?
1: The other, the other way, the other way around. So if you take someone that's a digger, okay, they need something to help shallow them out. And so when you have more, when you have more bounce, as you enter the ground, that that bounce is helping shallow the shot out so that you don't continue to just dig into the ground. When you come in shallower, you don't want to have a lot of that bounce behind the club because that's going to get in the way and you're going to end up bouncing into the golf ball. So to speak, you want the back end of that club filed down and and narrowed down. So there's less bounce so that you can sweep into the golf ball.
0: Well, that's fantastic advice. Thank you for that. Um, A couple more, Tim. You have a great tip about using either a hybrid or a fairway metal. If we find ourselves sort of just off the green, maybe in the second cut of rough, how can we pull that shot off without rocketing the ball across the green?
1: So in Texas, our grass goes dormant, which means it loses its color, doesn't die, but it stops growing sometime in the middle of November or so. And it's nice and fluffy at that point. But it's continued to to, to not grow all the way through the winter season until the middle of March or so. So we have brown grass and it starts to get very tight around the greens. So areas where you might pitch the golf ball in the summertime, when there's a nice stand of grass, that ground is now very, very tight in the wintertime. So you can't get the club to slide under the golf ball. So oftentimes it's kind of like the extension of the Texas wedge that you always hear about on TV. I don't have my students when they're off the green. Now, if you're close to the green and it's smooth, a putter works fantastic. But you have to remember, a putter only has about three to four degrees of loft on it. So if it's not smooth and tight and perfect, that ball's going to have, have a tendency to start bouncing if you use a putter too far off the green. So the reason why a, a, a lofted fairway wood, something that has 15 to 17 degrees of loft or a, a lofted hybrid works great is because it has just enough loft to keep the golf ball on top of the grass to let it run so you're going to set up you're going to choke down almost to the end of the grip you're going to stand the club up tall you're going to get close to the golf ball similar as you would to putting the ball is going to be back in your stance your stance going to be narrow so back in the stance meaning inside your right foot you're going to lean the shaft forward you're going to lean your body forward and you're simply just going to make a putting stroke and when you make a putting stroke The ball is going to start rolling. If you have a bad lie around the green and the grass is somewhat smooth, or even if it's bumpy, as long as the grass isn't tall, it works great out of something like that. If you want to run it up a hill, if you want to run it up a bank, if you're far enough off the green and you're nervous about the lie, it's a great alternative. I can remember I caddied for uh, the U.S. Amateur Champ Hank Keeney at the 1999 U.S. Open at Pinehurst. And they had shaved everything around the greens, off the turtleback greens, down very, very tight. And Monday and Tuesday, all the best players in the world were all trying to figure out, could they chip it? Could they pitch it? What are they going to do? And, uh, you know, the only one that was pitching it was Phil Mickelson. But everyone else was trying to figure out how to play this shot. Well, Hank and I had a plan, and he had done this for, you know, a number of years coming from Texas. He was, let's just let's just go with a hybrid and we're just going to use the hybrid on every single, you know, shot off the green. And he ended up making the cut. He was low amateur and he holed out three times with that hybrid during the week in the tournament. Wow.
0: That's awesome.
1: So it's a great it's a so, great alternative, Chris, to it. It takes a little bit of practice. The ball comes off the face a little bit hotter than it does with a putter just because of the material. So don't be alarmed, you know, if one shoots off the face a little bit fast to start with. But it's a great way to, to, to hit those shots around the green, especially when the lies are tight.
0: So now we're on the green, right? Maybe we've got a little bit of a longer putt. So we'll talk about lag putting. How can we do a better job, you know, finding out what distance and judging the distance so we don't end up three putting, at least getting around the hole on those long lag putts?
1: So lag putting to me is essentially playing catch with the hole. and, and, you're not necessarily you know, worried or or concentrating on technique as you are just trying to find a length and a rhythm to your stroke that allows you to get the golf ball as close to the hole as possible. And I would say anytime you're outside of about 12 to 15 feet, you're essentially lagging to the hole. Now, you might lag it good enough to make it every once in a while, but you're just trying to get it up there so close that you don't have to you don't have to worry about, you know, three putting. And I, I use the, uh, you know, I use this analogy with my son a lot, who's a a high school golfer. And, you know, I, 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 tell him that, you know, I would like to, to have you play around where you minimize the number of times you have to go to your pocket to dig a coin out, to put it underneath the golf ball, to go through the routine again, sweat it out and make that three footer, try and get it closer to the hole, concentrate on lagging it closer and so I'll, I'll talk to, to my students about almost trying to play more break than you think to get it to die in down by that, you know, around the hole. You know, try and get yourself to envision the ball rolling up next to the hole. Try and get a feel with the putter swinging back and through on a rhythm that allows you to hit the putt the right speed. The longer the putt, the slower the putt, the more uphill the putt, the bigger the backstroke. And the more pace you have to have, similar to a metronome, to get the ball to the hole so you don't have this long, syrupy stroke. So you can quicken the pace of your stroke a little bit or lengthen the pace of your stroke as you have a longer, slower, or uphill putt.
0: Tim, you've got a uh, a wonderful event coming up here in the next uh, little bit. Talk about what you've got going on. You're going to be getting the designation of Master Professional. Talk about what that's uh, going to be like for you,
1: Chris. I uh, I've been a, a PJ member, as you said in the intro, since 1989. So by my count, we're we're close to 29 years, and um, I've been a quarter century member, obviously, since my 25th year. And right after I got that designation, I thought, you know what, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do all that I can to take this, this, this PGA status that I have, that my, my credibility, my learning, you know, opportunity, my stature in the, in the game, as far as I can, I can take it. And so the first step was being becoming certified with the PGA in my category, which is teaching and coaching. And so I did that about a year, year and a half ago, where I had to watch a series of about uh, 36 to 40 videos take a test afterwards on all those, and then I had to write a a thesis paper that was about 10 or 15 pages and and turn that in as my project. And as I did that, I got graded and I I became certified in teaching and coaching. And so the final level, the highest level that I could attain as a PGA member um, is a master professional uh, status, and they have that in teaching and coaching as well. And you have to go through the steps I just talked about to even be considered to try and qualify for a master professional. So I'm using my, my book, The Four Keys to Improve Your Game, as my project or my thesis. And I have a, uh, I've got a one-hour pow- PowerPoint presentation that I have to go in front of a board uh, down at Port St. Lucie, Florida, where the PGA headquarters are on Monday. And then I'll have a question and answer session, and then I have to teach a live lesson with a student that I don't know and uh, I'd have a question and answer session for that as well. And then hopefully if all that goes well, I will, uh, I'll have the status of master professional. So I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, it's, you know, it's certainly, it's a milestone in my, in my, uh, in my golf career, my professional golf career. And um, you know, it just, it positions me as, as one of the, you know, the foremost experts in the game and it's I, I'm I'm really excited to to get down there and, and and show them what I've got.
0: As you should be. That that's so fantastic, Tim. I'm so happy for you and uh, and all the things that you've accomplished in your career. For our listeners that want to get in touch with you, whether or follow you, whether it's online or over social media, how can they find you?
1: So I'm all over social media in uh, Instagram and. Um, uh, Twitter and on YouTube, Tim Cusick Golf. You can reach out to me that way on Facebook, uh, the same thing, Tim Cusick Golf. Uh, my website is uh, TimCusickGolf.com. And you can reach out to me uh, by going to the FourSeasons.com slash Dallas website. Uh, you know, It has a link to our instruction programs, and you can find me there. I'm in Irving, Texas at the Four Seasons Resort and Club Dallas. And it's going to be interesting, Chris. we have get a little bit of bittersweet in a couple of weeks. The uh, AT&T Byron Nelson has moved on to Trinity Forest uh, Golf Club downtown Dallas. And so for the first time in 35 years, it will not be played at our facility. So kind of a bittersweet uh, week coming up for us.
0: Yeah, I imagine that it is. Um, when you look at that event, Tim, is, is, is anyone from the, your current place going to be involved at all You know, with the tournament? Or is, uh, is it just moving down the street and that's just uh, the end of an era?
1: It just it, it kind of moves down the street. and It's an end of the era. We get the question all the time in our uh, in our little circle by the first tee of the TPC golf course. There's a, a beautiful bronze, uh, probably 20-foot statue of Byron Nelson. And behind it, a, a granite wall that has all the winner's names on it. And we always get the question, is it is the statue going away? And no, the statue's right. not going away. It's staying... It's staying right there, and that's where it belongs. And Mr. Nelson watches over us uh, on a daily basis, and and, uh, I'm sure he'll be watching over Trinity Forest in a couple weeks. Well, Tim,
0: thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. You're fantastic. I hope you'll come back after, after you get the, the master designation. Come back, share the stories for what that was like, and then let's talk a little bit more about how we can do better in our games because uh, there's not a better teacher anywhere than you are. I appreciate your time.
1: Chris, thank you. You do a great job at what you do, and I'll be happy to come on anytime you'd like. Have a great night.
0: All right. Take care, Tim. Thank you. That is Tim Cusick, and again, his last name is spelled C-U-S-I-C-K, so timcusickgolf.com. So many great videos, and we only touched on a handful of them uh, on his website, and, and then check him out over social media as well. I've got my next guest, Charlie Fisher, hanging on the line. Before I get to Charlie, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of our sponsors. And first, folks, you've heard me talking about ClubHub Sensors over the last several months. It is the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. ClubHub tells you what happened and why. Take the progress that you make on the practice range directly to your rounds. Well, the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. I have ClubHub Sensors on all of my... Clubs, I screw right into the tops of your grips, and I can tell you, since I put club hub sensors on my clubs, I've learned more about my swing and all of the data surrounding it than I've learned over the 40 years I've been playing golf. Because not only do you get GPS distances to the hazards and to the green, but after your round, you can look back at the images and layout of every hole in the course that you just played and see exactly where and how far you hit every shot. No other GPS tool on the market captures that and lets you go back and review your round the way the ClubHub app does. It's available for Androids or iPhones, and the, the app keeps track of your swing speed of every club in your bag, your tempo, your angle of attack, plus a 3D view of your swing as well. No other rangefinder can do all of that for you. Go over to ClubHubGolf.com and order your set of ClubHub sensors today, and enter the coupon code NEXT to get 10% off on all products at checkout. Again, clubhubgolf.com, enter the coupon code next, and you're going to get the best GPS swing analysis tool on the market for a great low price and you're going to see your game in a whole new way. Also want to remind you about our friends over at par Bar. Energy and focus on the course are essential, whether you're playing you know on tour in your club championship or just your weekend four ball with your buddies. Parbar, the new golfer's nutritional bar, can help you with both of those things, energy and focus. Eat some before you get to the first tee and the rest of every three holes until it's finished, and you're going to play with more energy and focus to win. Parbar was developed by a lifelong golfer and a food scientist to help all golfers play their best. Go online to parbargolf.com to order yours today. We're also excited to be partnering with the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. They are back with the same great equipment that you know and love, without the retail markup that you hate. Now you can buy premium Ben Hogan irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories directly from the factory or prices that your wallet is really going to appreciate. Visit them online by going to benhogangolf.com or giving them a call at 844-53-HOGAN. That's 844-534-6426 to learn more and order your set today. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Golf Pride Channel marketing manager Charlie Fisher. Let me remind you about Charlie's background. He earned his bachelor's degree in business administration with a concentration in professional golf management from Methodist University, and he has his MBA from the University of Phoenix. He started out as an assistant golf professional with... Cywanoi Country Club up in Bronxville, New York, which is a beautiful Donald Ross design course, which is the site of the very first PGA Championship all the way back in 1916. From there, Charlie became the first assistant golf professional at uh, Colesagia Country Club up in uh, Blue Ridge Mountains in uh, Highlands, North Carolina, an Arnold Palmer design course. Charlie then spent seven years with the Akushnik company in various roles, ranging from the consumer test coordinator to product test supervisor. He joined Golf Pride back in 2011 as territory sales manager. He's ascended up through the organization, and he is now channel marketing manager, and I'm honored he is back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Charlie, thanks for coming back on the show.
2: Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having us us tonight.
0: So, Charlie, I want to start our conversation uh, by talking about a Golf Pride product that I've been looking forward to for several months, all the way back when you and I first talked uh, right around the PGA Merchandise Show, which is your Tour Velvet Align Grips. I'm dying to get those things on my clubs. Talk about what they are and what makes them so unique in
2: the marketplace. You know, Chris, um, the Tour the, the Tour Velvet Align, we, we just launched this the, the first or second week of, of April here, and um, something that we introduced at the PGA show earlier this year. And uh, the Align technology, we, we launched with the Plus4 and the uh, Classic Multi-Compound in 2017 and and obviously we had such success with it that it was something that we felt it was a natural um, lead into the Tour of Velvet which is the number one grip played on Tour um actually across all tours worldwide and so obviously when we looked at what's happening out on tour when we we reintroduced you know this this rib technology um you know we recognized that guys were playing rib grips and you know nobody knew about it because you know the traditional rib is something that you couldn't necessarily see inside the grip so here we have the number one plate grip. Uh, there's, you know, rib, a rib in it that, you know, a third of the guys on tour are playing and nobody knows it. Uh, so how can we enhance that rib, actually make it to where, you know, it's, it's within the, the legal, uh, the, the USGA rules of golf, um, something that's at the legal limit, uh, and then more or less um, give it to where, you know, people can actually, there's some you know, textural uh, advancements to it and just general feels that, that make it more pronounced. Uh, and, and again, bringing that technology to the number one grip in golf, um, and that's that's in, in on, on worldwide tours, and that's the Tour Velvet. Uh, it was just a natural uh, move to that grip, and uh, I'll tell you, the you know, we were really quite pleased with with seeing the uh, the success we we had it um, in play at the Masters, and uh, we had a, a pretty high profile player that finished pretty high uh, having it in play on his drivers, so we were excited to see that.
0: Yeah, so can you talk about who's playing the Montour?
2: You know, because we don't, we actually have 80% tour usage and it's not something that, um, you know, we, we necessarily can talk about it because we don't have paid sponsorships. But, um, I'll tell you that they finished in the top five, top two, perhaps, (laughs) Chris. And we can leave it at that. I was just going to say, I thought they they finished one, two. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we we did. The, the winner of the uh, the Masters this year did have the multi compound on his clubs, and uh, you know, perhaps maybe we had uh, we had the Tour Velvet line on the driver of the number two, <laughs> number two guy. So. <laughs> you might have so, noticed the red line on the back of the grip. <laughs> so. Indeed.
0: So, Charlie, one of the things that sort of gets overlooked, you know, we, we talk about when, you, when you're going to go get fit, right, for your clubs, right? We talk about making sure you've got the right shaft, the right lie angle, things of that nature. But I think one of the things that just doesn't get enough attention is making sure you get fit for the right grip size, right? We, we go in, we, we find our clubs, right? They, we take them right off the shelf, and then, you know, maybe we're adjusting some things. But I think we take the grip for granted, Talk about the importance of getting fit for the right
2: grip size. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, we have really been making great strides with our OEM partners to really bring custom, the, the grip fitting process to the custom. So, you know, you think of, you show up at a demo day, you know, on the weekends or just a general, you know, day at a at a driving range or your home course, and there's multiple vendors out there fitting you. And you really, you start with the head and what loft and what shape and, and then you move into the shaft, making sure that you have the right weight of the shaft, the right flex of the shaft, and the grip is kind of well. What do you think? Or hey, just give me what's on there. Um, but you know, it's funny to really complete complete the process, or bringing awareness to these guys. Like more than 50% of the grips that are sold at retail, um, I'm sorry, more than more than 60, 40% of the grips that are sold at retail are an oversized grip, meaning they could be anywhere from midsize to jumbo, and and that's something that really goes overlooked. So it's it's one of those. Well, why is that happening? Well. I mean, for a couple of reasons. One, from um, people, you know, people actually fit into larger grips, like actually fit into it. So, you know, you have the guys that fit into a nine and a half size shoe or you have the guys that fit into a 12 and a half size shoe. And more guys are are actually fitting into um, a larger size grip. and, And they're not just settling for the old grip that comes on their club. So we're really trying to work with our partners to make it more a part of the fitting process through the OEMs at retail. Um, It's something that, you know, we are, uh, we're actually making great strides and making it, you know, whether it's uh, an in-store experience or just uh, in some of the the fitting bays. Um, We're, you know, it's performance grip fitting. So we have many different technologies in our grips, but then also different size options. Um, So, you know, you can actually choose your technology and we have enough technologies with variance in size ranging from undersized to jumbo you can find your size and it's available either through the OEM or through the retail retailer. So um, the importance of it, I mean, I, I, I always it to uh, running shoes, you know, you wouldn't go and run, you know, a half marathon in, in a, in a sm- to shoe that's too small or too large. Cause if it's too small, your toes are bound up and they're not flexing the way that they should biomechanically. Or even if a grip is, if your shoe is too large, your your toes are actually gripping the inside of your shoe, holding on for dear life. And, The same goes through, um, you know, when you're talking about your hands connected to the club and when you're propelling a club, you know, with amateurs swinging anywhere from 90 to 100 miles an hour and tour players swinging anywhere from, you know, 100 to 125 miles an hour. um, Trust me, their, their, their grips are tuned in at that level and, and they should be for the amateurs, you know, as well.
0: Charlie, as we were talking earlier with Tim Cusick about kind of shaking the rust off of our swings and and, getting back out there for the first time. So many of our listeners in the northern part of the country, in the northeast part, have uh, snowed in for a long time. And now we're finally starting to see temperatures get into the, the 60s and the 70s, and we're dusting our clubs off you know, how do we know, right? One of the first things we're going to do is pick up that golf club and we're going to touch the grips. How do we know if you know, we need to replace our grips or is it really a good idea that one of the first things we do to get ready for a golf season is start out by replacing the grips?
2: I think a general rule of thumb, Chris, is let's go ahead and replace those grips once a year. There's a couple of things that happen. I mean, UV rays from just the sun, you know, if your clubs are sitting in the garage, I mean, cold, extreme, cold and extreme hot temperatures you know, tend to grade the grip. Now, I mean, certain rubbers are going to last longer than others. Um, you know, and and, and I always relate it to, you know, a Tor wrap or a CP2. Just the way that it's made in general, I mean, those grips tend to last longer, even with extreme play. Um, grips that are, you know, buffed when they're finished, they're a little bit more porous. Uh, so you know, think of your skin that you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, absorb sunscreen or different things where you rub it in your skin. You know, your skin's porous, so it, it tends to absorb more uh, chemicals or just uh, general uh, environmental things. And, and that's what happens when you have uh, different uh, rubber compounds, especially after they've been buffed. Uh, they're more susceptible um, to degradation, and usually that happens. I mean, it can happen, especially with regular play uh, over the course of a year. Um, Now, if you're practicing with your seven iron and your wedges and your drivers, those are the clubs that you're using, you know, multiple times around. And, you know, throughout the season, you probably want to update those anyways. Um, But a general rule of thumb is once once a year. But you you asked, how do you tell? I mean, there's a couple different ways that you can tell. One, um, when you see some, you know, multiple abrasions from where either a heel pad for some golfers who have a loose grip at the top or even a thumb where it's, you know, kind of wearing on the bottom, you can start to see the wear marks. Um, that's one way the other the other way is you can tell I always say if you can see your reflection in your grip it's time so that shine that <laughs> that naturally occurs you know it's it's one of those where when you start to see see that shine um, that's a good indicator that hey this this is slick and subconsciously you're gripping it tighter way you think you are or not because it is slicker it's just not as um, it just doesn't have that tact uh, that tactile feel that, that a fresh grip has and there's nothing better than picking up a club you can i always think of you know these old clubs i have out in the garage and i can put a fresh grip on them and they feel like it feels like a new club again so um it's a great way to start the season uh, your 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 home pro or your local retailer can can do that for you very inexpensively uh, and generally pretty quick too so you won't won't have to wait if that that warm day pops up here it's uh it's something that can be done pretty quick
0: Charlie, let's talk putter grips because you know I've been so intrigued by your Tour Sensor Straight and your Contour Pistol grips. I know you guys have been doing some things around testers for those sorts of grips. Talk about you know what makes those grips so much better than uh, just a, a regular standard putter grip.
2: Yeah, you know I mean it's funny. It, actually, it's it's the the Tour Sensor. It's, it's the technology is really in the material. Um, and and what we found is. A lot of the uh, synthetic material grips up there, you start to lose some feel um, with that material. Just the the feedback when the ball is actually striking the face, and then just from a distance control perspective, through our testing, we found that the players actually had less feedback through their hands. And you know, ultimately, you know, I think we wanted to design a putter grip that, hey, a hey, had, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we specialize in rubber manufacturing I mean that's essentially it and our great one of our greatest attributes you know its strengths as, as a company is our ability to manufacture different feels textures shapes and sizes in rubber so you know I, I think of it this way like you know there's other putter grips out there that um, you know you can have some different shapes or sizes but you're going to get the same feel and and that's just in the material so our greatest one of our best strengths I should say is the ability to to alter that feel to to really hone in on something that people like. But, you know, when we get into these sizes, I mean, these sizes are kind of in the mid-size to, you know, maybe oversized range. Um, and, and that's where we found with the shapes that we've offered, in the contour shape, especially, um, you know, is that it just fits more naturally in the palm of players' hands. You know, and, and funny enough, I, I had a chance this weekend to play with two guys that were playing with a straight, the straight putter grip with a straight profile. And, um, both of them said you wouldn't believe because they they never would have thought that how a putter grip shape, and especially the the blue contour uh, sensor straight, how basically it, it's actually changed their putting stroke. Um, so I think I think when you start hearing things like that from people that you know really aren't telling you what you want to hear, uh, consumers and the hundreds and hundreds of consumers that we've tested are giving us the same feedback. Um, you know that you're on to something. So we look to continue to refine that. But you know, funny enough, and, and this is something that we talk about internally a lot and that we're really digging in on, especially with feedback from our retail partners is, you know, the, you know, the, the smaller, more traditional shapes, um, you know, are really there and you see guys like, like, um, like Tiger Woods and, um, you know, even, even Rory McIlroy, uh, you know, and you see guys like, you know, even Patrick Reed playing the smaller, you know, Ricky Fowler playing the smaller, more traditional shapes, you know, there's something there too. So, um, you know, we, we're always paying attention to what's happening and what the best players in the world are doing because that's ultimately what we do. We make products for the best players in the world and um, most of them are using our stuff, so.
0: <laughs> so with the Tor Sensor straight, right, is it, is it designed, is it shaped so that it helps us to square the putter up? Is it, is it designed to fit more nicely into, in, into the palms of our hands? The, what was the thought process for how that, you know, how that grip and the, uh, the pistol grip were put together so that uh, so we can make more putt.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think when you start to look at, you know, the straight, particularly, um, you know, a, there's a couple different ways. I mean, you know, we were taking, you know, we were really taking a look at how people were gripping the club, and and ultimately, like as it pertains to a putter grip, you know, there really isn't. I mean, what's traditional anymore? You know, reverse overlap was the traditional way that people, uh, you know, uh, you know, grip the putter, and and that's really there isn't one, you know, one way that you could call traditional. I don't think anymore. Um i mean i'm yes, you could, but I'm saying, but you there's definitely a lot of variances to the way that people are gripping the club, so I think what the straight what it allows you to do is is to do that uh grip it really any way you want, but it also sets your hands in a way where your hands are are really your palms are facing each other and and that's ultimately it i mean I think if you there's one part of you know with the full swing, the club rotates uh it it opens and closes like a door right as you're swinging, but with the putter you really i mean it, it happens naturally. Um, but it, there's not a lot of face rotation that, that face is really, you know, trying to stay as square as it can with the palm of the right hand, um, and even with the back of the left hand. So, um, what it does is it really allows those palms to to match up and square up and the contour really thinking of how does the putter fit into our hands? How does it actually rest into the natural contour of our hands where we have a heel pad that sits on top, uh, and fingers that, you know, go underneath and, um, It it, it really fits that natural. We went with a design, uh, and again, based off of thousands of grips that we were actually looking at, that fits the most natural way of the hand. That's that's really how they were conceived.
0: Charlie, just a couple of more before we let you go, but what are some of the trends going on in the golf industry that Golf Pride has recognized, and you're either working to react to or improve upon? Are there some technologies within the rubbers or the wraps and that sort of thing that you guys are uh, working to make even better as we look ahead to, whether it's later this year or even in the design phase coming out in 2019?
2: You know, I think there, there's a couple. That's a that's a really good question, and I'm glad you asked it. Um, you know, when you start to look at, um, you know, we went through the adjustable, adjustable hosel phase, and I think that, you know, we found that most guys once properly fit. Don't change it all too often. So, you know, we still – Make a 360 grip. And that's something that we're actually launching this year. We've got a 360 grip that uh, we worked with, um, that was actually a stock grip for Titleist. And, um, the, the demand for it was so high. People really just like that kind of 360 style. Uh, and even though they weren't putting it on, you know, clubs that, you know, had adjustability to it. Um, so that was a trend, something that we recognized a few years ago and, and, and reacted to. But from a grip perspective, you know, when you were asking about proper sizes, looking at that plus four, you know, the plus four was something that we launched back in 2015 and it was the built up lower hand. And we continue to see that plus four product grow. That family is growing. I mean, in fact, the, the, the plus four, um, the plus four family is, you know, is our largest selling family in the multi-compound family. and, And that wasn't the case. So it's amazing how this new technology of three years is now, you know, two or three grips is, I mean, it's easily becoming, you know, one of our number one selling SKUs, if not the number one selling SKU for us. So um, as we look down our line and say, wow, what's happening? We've got the CP2, putter, you know, the CP2 swing grip that has, you know, that plus four type of technology built into it, reduced taper. We've got the multi-compound plus four. Where else are we, what else are we looking at? And why is it really working so well for players? And And ultimately it just comes down to, it's less tension and, and they're able to put their hands on the club more comfortably and, and fully release the club through impact. And so I would say, what trends are we seeing? You know, we're, we're constantly looking, um, you know, to understand what, you know, the best players in the world are doing, what consumers are doing, you know, amateurs are doing uh, through, I can tell you we're, we're always out on the trail doing consumer testing, whether it's independent testing where we're um, getting other, uh, other um, independent test groups to actually do, Um, do testing for us uh, because as we don't want to we're trying to remove as much bias as we can we feel like we're so close to this stuff Uh, but then also just our own infield testing and um, I would say that that's that's the type of stuff and and this aligned technology is something that is is this isn't a flash in the pan thing this is something that's real and uh, we're we're continuing to pursue you know this and I'll tell you uh, some of the, some of the test results that we've seen in terms of actually hitting it closer to the target line, Chris, it's amazing. I mean, we're talking four or five yards with a six iron seven or eight yards with a driver. That's significant. And and really wow. it's just a matter of being able to consistently place your hands on the club, do it consistently and then feel where the club faces through impact. And, and this, these are the types of things that we're finding. So um, this is real. And, you know, in a world where, you know, we're always and this and we don't necessarily put this in our advertising because it's not something that like it's, oh, you know, five more yards, you know, 10 more yards, this side or the other, or hit it closer to your target. But, you know, these are real things. Why we're building the products that we're building is because there is performance. Uh, there's it's it's performance driven. I mean, ultimately, we're, we're not going to bring something out that doesn't necessarily help the golfer play better golf.
0: So, Charlie, do you and Golf Pride, you have some events coming up where people can go out take a look at the product, test the product, that sort of thing, where uh, we can let our folks know where to find you guys?
2: Well, I'll tell you what. We're we're partnered with some really, really good uh, distributors throughout the country uh, who have independent sales reps that are doing demo days throughout. But I would say our next big event is actually at the Hagen Oaks Golf Expo um, this coming weekend. Um, it's probably one of the largest consumer shows uh, in the country. And I you know we've partnered with Carl's Golf Land uh, earlier this year to to have some of our team out there. Um, but there's certainly going to be more. Um, we're always, you know, we're we're always happy to support our partners that that uh, want golf pride and and consumers. I feel like uh, feel like it's a benefit to to have us there as well because uh, just like an opportunity like this to get to talk about grips, it's you know we're we we love doing it. It's it's our passion. our I mean, hands are our passion. And we want to make sure that we're uh, getting people on the right stuff. So um, those would be the I would say the the couple that, that are coming up and that are fresh on my mind.
0: So Charlie, before we let you go, how can our listeners, you know, follow both you and golf pride, whether it's online or it's on social media?
2: Sure. Golf pride is on Twitter, Instagram, uh, in Facebook. And, you know, we're always uh, look at the masters. We had a set. It was like a promotion every day, whether it was limited edition towels, limited edition belts, uh, kits. Uh, so be sure to check us out on Facebook on Twitter, the same and, and, and Instagram and, um, you know we're we're always looking to connect with our consumers and 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 provide as much information as we possibly can and and you know provide as much value as we can to them too we we love our consumers and, and uh looking for that and and me chris as i mentioned last time I'm boy i, I mean you might as well just follow golf ride because i the only thing i retweet and repost is golf ride <laughs> so it's it's all <laughs> golf ride all the time <laughs>
0: Well, Charlie, thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come back and and be a part of the show. You're fantastic. I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit earlier this year and then having you back tonight. You're fantastic. I hope you'll come back and join me again soon, share more of uh, the great things that you guys are doing.
2: Chris, thanks for having Golf Right on your show, and and we're going to have to make sure you get some Tour Velvet aligns in your bag. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Take care, Charlie.
0: All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon.
2: Thank you. All right. Good night.
0: That is Charlie Fisher, and again, Golf Pride, I'm telling you, these new, you know, Tour Velvet Align grips are something I'm very, very excited about. Can't wait to get them on my golf clubs. I think, you know, again, the hands are the only place that we have connection with the golf club, right? And and that Align on the back, you know, helps you make sure you got your hands in the right position every time. I can't see why everybody wouldn't want that as, the, uh, as your grip. So check them out online, GolfPride.com. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, it is time for us to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. But, you know, we always like to close up shop by hearing about the great things that uh, our good friend Jim Estes and the folks over at the Salute Military Golf Association are doing.
3: The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country.
0: Folks, Jim and his team continue to do some amazing things for our military veterans. Go online and check them out at smga.org. All right, it's time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks once again to Tim Cusick and Charlie Fisher for joining me tonight. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page, Next on the Tea with Chris Mascara over on Facebook and share your feedback. Plus, if you have a question for one of our future guests, and you know, let me know. I'd be glad to get that question on the air for you. If you go back and you look at our page on nextonthetea.net, that's our website or our page over on Podbean, uh, and you see, you know, boy, hey, I sure would have liked to have had a question, you know, asked to, to this person or that. Let me know that as well. I'll reach back out to them and get that question over to them and let you know what the answer was. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host, Bob Lazari, and our announcer, Joe LaJanusha That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can stream it live on Blog Talk Radio, and like I say, that show, like this one, also available as a uh, free podcast over on Podbean and on iHeartRadio as well. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we're joined every week by five NFL legends sharing their stories from their playing days, plus their insights into what's going on around the NFL today. We also highlight two players doing great things in their communities in our Spotlight on the Positive segment. You can find that show online. Our website there is ThursdayNightTailgate.com, and again, this show at NextOnTheT.net. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to this show today. We know you've got thousands of shows and podcasts to listen to, and we really appreciate the fact that you are making Next on the T one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.
3: You've been listening to Next on the T with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members Go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Tuesday to hear more stories about the game we love from people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf.